Hey guys, this is Ben, and just as a quick disclaimer for this episode, due to technical difficulties, my audio will not be of the same quality as previous episodes. It does get fixed at the end, however. Other than that, please enjoy. Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated. Just hang in there, Matt. You'll beat this thing soon. All right. Here we go. I'm going to set this down. I hate doing this. All right. Uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> it's showtime. Yeah, you say that every time. Hey, Bats. What's going on? Are we ready to take down some more criminals? We are, actually. There is one more who came to our attention. He came through the back computer over here. They call him the Vulture or something. Ah, another winged freak. I think we can take him on. You and me, we're a pretty good team. Let's get in the Batmobile. Oh, I'm gathering all the technology right now to kidnap teenagers. I haven't done it yet, but I really want to. Who the fuck are the, these guys? You guys look like really, like you're not supposed to be here. Let's put it that way. Funny, coming from a man dressed like a vulture. Somehow I fit in this in this world. You guys, though, this bat, and what the fuck is this shit? You look like a goddamn, I don't even know what the fuck. You a fucking inmate, but it's a tuxedo, and you got a fucking carousel head? What the fuck is this shit? Hey, I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Don't not the suit. You just can't take my style. <laughs> Ghost with the most shit on your head. You know, Beetlejuice, there is something a little familiar about this vulture character. We do all look the same also, which is weird. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, similar hairline there, uh, but I gotta say my hair is a little bit nicer. If we could see the head through the carousel, yes. <laughs> so are you guys here to help me in this grand th- larceny? Fuck no, we're here to take you down, bird boy. You don't seem like the type to be a hero, to be honest with you. What the fuck is your name again? 
uh, I can't say my own name. It's uh, it's kind of my own rule. What the fuck is that all about? If I say it three times, I gotta go back to the netherworld. So you just can call me, uh, call me the Juice Man. How about that? Juice Man. And? And I'm Batman. Well, great names, guys. Wonderful. Okay, so... What do I call you, Birdman? No, man, it's just Vulture. It's straight to the point. Not even a man. I feel like Birdman would be a better title for you. Yeah, something about it. It's got a nice ring to it. I know. That's too on the nose. It's a award-winning name. It's a little bit too melancholic for my taste, but anyway, I'm going to continue this grand theft of computer parts so that I can kidnap children. So, if you're not with me, you're against me. And I'm going to try to make you turn old now? Hey, take your best shot. Go ahead, make my millennia. <laughs> I'm already dead. You can't make me any older. <laughs> Well, really no effect at all. This is fucking ridiculous. All right, how about you, Bats? Look just as badass as before. Maybe I'll still keep being in the cowl years from now. Let me go for the jaw. Block that with my gauntlet. God damn it, and now I'm turning old again. Fucking... Ah, ah. You already looked older than both of us. Yeah, but now it's... Oh, now it's even worse. Hey, Bats, I got a great idea to take out this guy once and for all. Who the- what were your names again? Buttman and Dumbass? Alright, there's enough of this. I'm just gonna use the bolo to send him over the roof. You don't have to send the bolo. I'm going to jump myself. It's better than being with you two. Hey, hey, Bats, I- I got a sudden sense that we, uh, we gotta save this guy. You know, hanging out with you- being as murderous as you are, surprisingly, is started to um, change my ways. Uh, so come on, let's uh, teleport down there. Yeah, uh, fine. Hey, uh, hey, Birdman, you know you can, uh, you know you can turn that gun in reverse, right? What? Turn. Oh, the switch. Ah, oh, being old made me forget shit. It happens to the best of us. Flip the switch. I'm still falling, but all right. And caught him. All right, he's a baby now. Hey, nice catch, Bats. You know he's he's a lot cuter now, and he's uh, being a little baby instead of that baby. Uh, creepy old bastard in the bird costume. He seems like he's a great survivor. Yeah, you know, uh, I got an idea. Let's raise this this little baby as our own bats. We can teach him to be a crime fighter like us. Only if his name is Beetlebat. Hey, now you're talking. <laughs> Next time on Batman, a new hero is introduced. Beetlebat, the only hero with a carousel for a head. Catch it, same bat time, same bat channel. Baby. He's not broken and he's not alone. Today on our show, we're gonna talk about the one, the only Victor Stone, AKA Cyborg. It is I, the man who knows too much about Batman and with me are Tis I, ladies and gentlemen, and all of my children out there, thank you for once again tuning in to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. 
we will have a fun time this evening as Ben takes us upon a journey of cyborg tutelage. Indeed. Yes. And with us, <laughs> as usual... It's me, the Green Goblin, and I'm here to tell you, me and Andrew, we're going to have one hell of a time. <laughs> Green Goblin, that's, that's, that's not our universe. Generally. Hey, not yet. <laughs> not yet. We're going to cross the stream at some point. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. So, uh, as I said, we're going to be talking about Cyborg as we're going sort of one at a time on each of the members in order of when they joined the Justice League. So we went over Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, and now Cyborg joins the Justice League on the GCPD rooftop. And here we are to talk about him. The probably the Hell newest yeah. addition to the Justice League in comic book chronology, not in the movie, but in comic book chronology. That's a word I'm not going to be able to say. Chronology, there we go. So, um, Continuity? Well, continuity. Chronos. Chronology continuity. The, the Adams villain Chronos. All right, here we go. Yes. So, in the chronology of comic books, Cyborg is the newest member because he started off in the Teen Titans comics, specifically in uh, the 80s, the new Teen Titans, as I'm holding up here for our YouTube viewers. So, I wanted to ask, as we begin, what was your exposure to Cyborg before Zack Snyder's Justice League? And did Zack Snyder's Justice League change your opinion on Cyborg? Let's start with Zack. So, really, for me, it was just the Teen Titans animated series. That was my introduction to Cyborg. I wasn't really familiar with the Teen Titans. Um, I never read those comics. I, As you know, I was just a really big Batman fan, so mm -hmm. those were the comics that I looked for the most. And then uh, I really liked the Teen Titans series, the original series. I've got it on DVD. It's, um, it's definitely one of my favorites. And I think that was Glenn Murakami that did that one. Uh, that was like mm -hmm. the show uh, Front Runner. So that was my introduction to Cyborg, and um, I was not impressed with the Joss Whedon cut, but he certainly uh, made an impact on me in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, and I feel like that kind of redeemed him. And uh, it certainly was a more mature take on Cyborg, which, you know, for me, what I was used to was like the silly version right. on um, on the cartoon series. Not T-Titans Ghost level of silly, but still kind of like a... <laughs> A, a, a more upbeat version of him. So, um, yeah, it's definitely come full circle. And, uh, yeah, like you said, he's he's a newer member of the Justice League. I was kind of surprised to see that he was going to be in the movie. I, w I wasn't following up with, like, the new 52 hmm. comics. So I was just like, oh, I thought Cyborg was part of the Teen Titans. So um, he's still pretty fresh for me, too. Awesome. Andrew. My first exposure, I honestly can't even remember at this point. It wasn't Teen Titans, the animated one. It was probably uh, either the first Injustice game or maybe a little before that with one of the animated movies from DC. Mm. What, he was, was in, he in uh, he was in Justice League Doom, which is your favorite. Doom. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that might have that might have been my first real exposure to him, and then shortly after that, probably Injustice came out for me. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the timeline for me. The other, like, I wasn't super into this character really before. I think the Snyder cut turned me around mm -hmm. a lot and I haven't read the cyborg comics and I don't know if they've done this or not yet, but if they did like a real heavy, like kind of heady sci-fi, like ghosts in the shell, fucking blade runner, 
kind of mm. thing, but with Cyborg, I don't know how they could do it, but like, I don't know, man. And maybe have him show up in Batman Beyond somehow because he doesn't age Ooh. or, you know what I mean? That's like really, really lean into the sci-fi aspect. Um, like Arthur C. Clarke or some shit meets uh, Cyborg, this character. I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they've done that and I don't know. Uh, but uh, now, now I'm more interested than ever because I am a I'm a fan of sci-fi in general. I should mm-hmm. be liking cyborgs. For some reason, I wasn't super into this character at first, but I've come around quite a bit. Yeah. Does cyborg age? He doesn't age. Well, he I mean, he not. is half. He is half human. So maybe that side does age, but he's able to, you know, the techno- technological side helps carry him along. He eats that RoboCop uh, applesauce. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very similar, and I think those of us who those of you guys who follow us on our Patreon know that we were kind of on record just being like, eh, he's not our he's not he's definitely not our favorite. So uh, why are we doing an episode on him? <laughs> well, I think part of it is because of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Just like what Andrew said, I think he that cut really turned me around on the character. My first exposure actually was not the Teen Titans show because I did not grow up with the Teen Titans uh, cartoon so much. I think it was on Cartoon Network, and I didn't grow up with Cartoon Network. I, I didn't have cable growing up. Though I think it did transfer to Kids WB, in which case I have no excuse. But still, uh, <laughs> I think my first exposure, though, was Smallville. You never had the joy of seeing the beginning of Johnny Bravo or Yucky Duck <laughs> or uh, Dexter's, Dexter's Lab. Lab. Yeah. No. yeah, the very no, Powerpuff Girls, the the absolute onset of Cartoon Network and its eventual rise. I that's definitely part of my childhood that I'm missing out on. Okay, and the Teen Titans. Well, I, I know yeah. it's on HBO Max now. I've seen a few episodes. I'm definitely interested in exploring it, uh, particularly because it's probably the most renowned version of Deathstroke. Is the one played by Ron Perlman ah, on there? Interesting. Uh, they couldn't even call him Deathstroke. He's just called Slade entire time yeah. Uh, oh, but yeah it, i wanted to definitely check those out but in the meantime i have not seen the teen Titans show but i did see him on smallville that was his uh live action debut and we'll go over the smallville version of cyborg but it was kind of it was weird to me because i'm just like why is the teen titan guy now the same age as super that doesn't make sense now he's part of the justice league and then <laughs> the new 52 made him a permanent member of the justice league but also from the beginning and he almost, he pretty much replaced Martian Manhunter as one of the founding members. And I was like, you know, Martian Manhunter is like one of my favorite members of the Justice League. So I don't know why they did that. Uh, but that wasn't necessarily something against the characters just so much as like the fact he was replacing one of my favorites. It wasn't really until Doom Patrol that I saw like, oh, this character could be uh, more interesting. Yes, uh, yes, yes. So still, he's not as interesting as the other characters on the show. I mean, you got a guy who is mostly in technology compared to, you know, we got the bandaged up dude who's kind of the invisible man who's got this like ectoplasm type alter ego. And then you've got Rita who's basically like a good version of Clayface and you've got robot Mm -hmm. robot. Like there's so many other interesting characters in comparison, even though I do like the version played by cyborg. It's just that he's, he's kind of on the lower level of the ones that got me into the show. In that show, a a cyborg is definitely on the lower end of weird. Right. Like there's (laughs) a lot of, Real, they, I'm surprised they went full weird with that. Like he's the most normal one on the show. <laughs> yeah. They're pulling out the full Morrison for this one. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're going nuts. They got Baphomet and shit and everything in there. It's insane. 
But yeah, with, yeah. with me, it really was like Andrew, Zack Snyder's Justice League, where I'm like, okay, he's the emotional part of the movie. I I was watching the movie and I was talking to somebody while I was doing it. And just the, the whole origin sequence, I was just like, I care so much more about this character than I ever did in the past combined due to right. just this origin sequence and what they do in the whole part of the waitress. So it's just, it's fantastic. And I think Rick Fisher is perfectly cast in this role and it's, it's a great debut for him. And yeah. I, I now appreciate this character and it got me to read more about it. So that's what we're covering today, specifically on the evolution of the origin story of Cyborg. That's the main part of Cyborg's story in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so like our past origin story deep dives with Robin and with Justice League, I thought I would do the same with Cyborg. So here we go. As most people know, Cyborg starts off with the Teen Titans, not the Justice League. And while the Teen Titans did exist in 1964, that original team was all sidekicks. So it was Robin, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Aqualad. And it wasn't until 1980 that they incorporated some characters who were unique to Teen Titans who weren't just sidekicks anymore. They were just other superheroes around the same age. So that includes the popular ones who were part of the animated series, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Raven, Starfire. Uh, Wonder Girl and Kid Flash were still part of the team, as you can see on here. Uh, Aqualad got fucked. He's not a part of it anymore. <laughs> in so he'll come back around, isn't he? In uh, one of those shows, he's in Titans, right? He, he's or for a second. He's in Titans before they killed him off. They killed him in the show. They killed him in the show. He's God in like one it. episode. Oh, so man, if you're an Aqualad, Aqualad fan, he, you're fucked. He got the shaft. <laughs> Deathstroke kills him. <laughs> Jesus, man. So, All right. but yeah, let's let's talk about Cyborg. So Cyborg, along with these other characters, uh, first show up. They have a very weird introduction, actually. It's not in this first Teen Titans issue. Their original introduction is actually in DC Comics Presents number 26 in October 1980 as kind of a preview for the new Teen Titans. It's right smack dab in the middle of a Superman and Green Lantern story. So it doesn't even, it's not even an issue devoted to that. It's sort of like, oh, it's like a backup issue that just happens to spring off one of the most popular runs of all time. Backdoor pilot. Exactly, yeah. So the creative team behind this is our favorite Marv Wolfman, the guy who <laughs> never, has to pay, never has to pay for a drink in his life. And the other is the Wolfman. artist, the other is the artist, George Perez, who uh, we've talked about in the past, at least with the, our Patreon on the various Amazons were part of Zack Snyder's Justice League and Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman. A lot of them come from the era where George Perez came on and did the Wonder Woman arc. Uh, this also featured art by Dick Giordano, letters by Ben Oda, and colors by Adrian Roy. And this initial story is basically Robin arrives at Star Labs to stop a crime, only to start getting these, these visions of the future, where he's leading a new version of the Teen Titans, and this is where he meets, in his mind, all the new people, so Beast Boy, Cyborg, Raven, Starfire, and they find out that there's a Star Lab scientist who accidentally opened a portal to another dimension. The creature has come in, so they have to rescue the scientist and stop the creature. They arrive and they save the day, and the scientist turns out to be Cyborg's dad, Silas Stone. And so Cyborg and Silas have an argument where Cyborg resents his dad turning him into this. And we don't really get a lot of details of how that came about, but we just know that there's a testy relationship between father and son. Robin wakes up in present day having... Apparently, during this whole entire hallucination, he's also thwarted all the people who attacked Star Labs, and he's rescued, in real life, Silas Stone. Now, Robin's like, well, that can't be. I was dreaming about Silas Stone, but I hadn't met him yet. So was it? what did I see? Was this a dream? Was this the future? And so the end reveals that Raven, who's like the supernatural Teen Titan, 
was actually using her powers to give him a vision of the future that he is going to form the Teen Titans in, you know, the actual issue of Teen Titans, New Teen Titans number one. So a very odd way to introduce the Teen Titans as a vision. But it seems, though, and this is what I discovered when I was rereading these, the Marv Wolf and George Perez comics are almost influential on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, in just the same amount of way as the Justice League comics of the New 2 were influential on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Here we have the human non-superpowered leader getting a vision of the future of him uh, also being responsible for forming and leading a team. So we got that aspect. And he, they also rescue Silas Stone as part of their first mission together. So there's a lot of different uh, aspects that I was like, oh, that's interesting that this this might have just sort of led into the script for Zack Snyder's Justice League. And it's natural that they went to these stories, these comics, I guess, in order to say, like, hey, like, let's see what it was originally like, because it seems very similar to what Cyborg's going through in the movie. I can see it's definitely for being like a Cyborg reference. Terrio yeah. and Snyder mm -hmm. dipping into the archives just to make sure they're on the right page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So, absolutely. So I can definitely see that influence here. The cyborg continues. He shows up at New Teen Titans number one. Similar creative team, Wolfman and Perez. Uh, Romeo Tangal as finisher. Ben Oda as letters. And Adrian Roy again as colorist. Uh, Victor shows up and he's at the track at Newark City College in New Jersey. So he's based in New Jersey, it seems, in the original version. He is disguised and he's covered up in a red hoodie. And he's on the track. And here's a big difference that I did not realize. Victor Stone did not start off as a football player. In the oh, comics, sure. he's a track star. Ah. So that's why he's on the track and he's trying to show that he can still do <laughs> stuff. He can still be Olympic material for his coach and his former coach turns him down given the fact that he's not fully human anymore. So that's a big uh, downside and Victor's pissed off and that's when he gets recruited by Raven into becoming part of the Teen Titans. In an almost similar scene to Diana recruiting him in Justice my, League. My father, Satan, said that we should join forces <laughs> in a battle against evil? <laughs> yes. So there's that other issue as well. But yeah, Victor gets recruited by Raven, and he's all pissed off, and she's trying to recruit him as part of this team to be part of something more. And it also feels similar to probably the inspiration for the scene where he talks to Diana. He's like, fuck the world and stuff. Though he doesn't say fuck the world, but he might as well. At that point. They couldn't have said that in the comics back then. Not, not in 1980, but we, I've seen some <laughs> criticism of Cyborg being sort of angry and sort of mopey in Zack Snyder's Justice League when compared to, probably compared to his cartoon counterpart in Teen Titans, but this version is very true to the original Teen Titans mm -hmm. comic and also very true psychologically to what he'd be going through. I mean, half your body is now machine and your mom's dead. So in the future you thought you were going to have, mind you, this Victor is was going to go to college so he's like 18. he's going through all this sort of stuff and he's not fully an adult he's not fully a man yet so of course he's going to be angry and pissed off and not really wanting to help you yeah it would exactly. suck to honestly it would suck to be a cyborg yeah it looks cool in a movie but i mean i've thought about this before i'm sure y'all have but <laughs> which, which <laughs> superhero would you want to be i mean cyborg. just yeah yeah not not cyborg it's just i mean it'd be cool to fly and shit but yeah, just to mm -hmm. have like have your body mostly gone and your brain yeah. kind of in, in a vat. It's just, yeah. Nope. It's I rough. I don't want it. Yeah. I wouldn't want rough. it. Uh, at the end of their first adventure, it's down to Cyborg to blow up the ship and save the day, which is kind of similar to how it's down to Cyborg to separate the mother boxes in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So 
again, a lot of different parallels from Teen Titans comics to Zack Snyder's Justice League that I didn't realize until I was rereading and going through it again. Because the last time I had read this arc was when the Titans show first premiered. And obviously that was a while before we watched the uh, Snyder Cut this year. So I had a bit of a review. Uh, we don't get a ton of details of how Victor became cyborg other than the fact that something bad happened to him and his dad gave him all the cybernetic parts. However, we didn't have to wait for too long because a few issues later in New Teen Titans number seven, in 1981, we got the full details. Uh, again, Wolfman and Perez, Romeo Tegall, Inc., John Costanza, Letterer, and John Drake as coloring. And at the end of the issue, Silas Stone ends up sharing more of Victor's origin story. So this is where it's revealed that we knew that Silas Stone was a Star Lab scientist, but what we didn't know was that his wife was a scientist as well. So his wife, Eleanor, was Silas's lab assistant. And as the son of two scientists, Victor was never really comfortable in a lab, even though he was smart enough to do it. And that's why he became a track star during this time. That's uh, interesting. There is no dark side connection at this point in time. Uh, also because of the fact that dark side hadn't really been a big Justice League villain yet. It was around this time that he was just like a... Kirby had done his stuff with the fourth world and the new gods, right. but Darkseid hadn't really been a recurring villain that much to the point where you could see him create Cyborg. It just wasn't a big thing. Uh, so Victor visits his parents at Star Labs right when Silas accidentally opens a portal to another dimension that lets in this creature. The creature kills Eleanor Stone and then goes for Victor, and it seems like its touch dissolves Victor's body parts. It's pretty gruesome. And his father has to send the creature back home and close the portal. Uh, and he's left with basically his dead wife and his dying son. So he uses the prototype medical prosthetics to save his son. However, victim, Victor, of course, blames his father for the death of the mom because he was the one who was toying with the dimension stuff and writes him off. However, unfortunately, Silas Stone, during this encounter, was also pretty much killed because he was exposed to fatal radiation due to the other dimension when the creature came through. So he's been slowly dying ever since this thing happened and ever since oh, he's been making shit. this for his dad. So he's been trying to find ways to make amends for his son before he dies. And one of those things is actually building the Titan's Tower. So the big Titan's Tower, that the giant T that you see in the animated series and in the comics, that's built by Silas Stone. That's actually in the... I thought that was just in Teen Titans Go because hmm. it's just so silly. <laughs> no, it's from the comics. They took they that from built the, a big ass team. From the, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can thank Silas Stone. So he he finally right. fesses up to Victor in present day in issue number seven that he's dying, and that sort of causes Victor to, to change his mind about him and realize that you know he's going to lose his dad. So Cyborg sort of spends Silas's last remaining days with him, not with the Teen Titans, but with his dad, and they sort of reconcile with each other before he dies of the radiation poisoning at the end of the issue. And the closing narration says, quote, and this man that Victor came to love so late, this man who gave all of himself in passing, gives one thing more that will be cherished above all else. In passing, this man gives Victor memories which shall guide him for as long as he lives. So very poignant ending uh, to that. So that was kind of the first time that Marv Wolfman was like, okay, here's a little bit more about what happened with Cyborg. And then we got yet another retelling by Wolfman and Perez in Tales of New Teen Titans number one uh, over in 1982. Now this is in June 1982, and in the Snyderverse, in both Batman versus Superman and Zack Snyder's Justice League, the mother box that the humans had, the mother box of man, the one that turned Victor Stone into Cyborg, is called Object 61982. 
1982, or June 1982, hence this issue where Cyborg's origin was even more fleshed out for the entire issue. So that's what they're referencing there. Hmm. So this issue also had inks by Brett Breeding, but again, it's Wolfman Perez, and this one expanded a lot more on it. So it said that ever since birth, Silas and Eleanor sort of used Victor as a test subject to make him even smarter, which is why he's kind of a genius as well as because his parents sort of tested stuff on him. But that also made him more rebellious against them, especially in how they treated him like an experiment. So that's why he went to athletics. He wanted to rebel and he wanted to do something else. So that's how he became such a good athlete. He ends up striking a friendship with a troublemaker named Ron Evers, who basically wants to commit domestic terrorism. This was something that threw me off when I was reading it. I was like, I was not expecting this. I don't remember any of this <laughs> thing about this character. Um, but similar thing happens. Stones get attacked by the creature. Eleanor dies. Silas puts the parts on Victor. However, we get even more in this issue where Victor wakes up and we see his reaction to the body. And he actually yells and cries at his dad, why couldn't you let me die? So again, there's no reason for Victor in Sex Justice League to be all this cheery, happy-go-lucky guy because he's gone through this all this bullshit. Uh, Victor adjusts to his new body and ends up being rejected by society. His girlfriend, Marcy, breaks up with him. Like, he basically is a reject. And then he finds out that his old buddy, the, the buddy, the domestic terrorist, Ron Evers, wants to blow up the United Nations. So Victor decides that the only thing he can do is use his new powers to stop him. And that's where he officially becomes a superhero cyborg and presumably catches Raven's attention to be recruited into the Teen Titans. So that is now the full origin story, the original origin story from Mark Wolfman on Cyborg. I, I have a question, though. Yeah. At what point does he start saying booyah? I was going to say that. <laughs> that would be the Teen Titans cartoon. Okay. That would be the Teen Titans cartoon. It's not a long lineage huh. of him saying booyah from his inception. inception. I, I tell you this, it's not, it's not something that he says right when he wakes up with the body parts. <laughs> booyah! It's like Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah that's true. So, your thoughts? Booyah! <laughs> <laughs> I know it took like three different issues to cover the full extent of this origin story, but uh, what did you guys think of this sort of original fleshed out version of Cyborg's origin, starting with Zack? Well, the lack of the Appalachian aliens turning the Teen <laughs> Titans into trees was a, a big downer. No, it actually, it's pretty cool. It's amazing to me how much they drew on that um, for the Justice League film. and. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of this origin, you know, I, I really was just familiar with him in the cartoon, even though they, I don't think they ever really covered his origin in that either, no. but it is weird to hear that it's something as science fiction-y as like a creature that dissolves parts of his body, yeah. instead of just something simple like a car accident, so mm -hmm. that's interesting. Um, the dissolving thing made me think, there's a uh, an issue... Uh, of Teen Titans, I guess it is, with uh, Two-Face in it. And I remember the Two-Face is kind of trying to yeah. turn Cyborg uh, evil or just he's playing devil's advocate to Cyborg because he it's kind of a similar situation where he's part of him is gone and that he's a damaged person. So he's like trying to twist his his uh, thoughts or whatever. I thought that I just thought about that because you mentioned the. Uh, creature dissolving part of his body and that was like oh that made me think of the uh acid dissolving you know two faces face but that's yeah that part is really weird to me 
The rest of it's pretty cool. I, I like that he's a track star. That makes sense. Uh, I kind of remember that from a few comics that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. Man, after you say that, now I finally want to see Ray Fisher's Cyborg up against Two-Face. After that, based off of that issue. <laughs> yeah, That'd be I'm interesting. W- he'd be like, I'm way more fucked up physically than you, but... <laughs> <laughs> you took this whole half face thing and fucking think you got the worst in the world. You could have just gotten plastic surgery, dude. Look at yeah. me. You're refusing skin grafts. I don't have a dick. So, yeah. you know. Especially in the Jeff Johns version shit. All right, over to you, Andrew. Uh, I, it's interesting that he was a track star to begin with, and I like the mm-hmm. idea of him not wanting to go in science at least at first because he's trying to carve out his own path uh via athletics um because you know if you're both your parents do it well some kids will want to do it but a lot of kids will rebel against what they parent what their parents do so i think that it's interesting how even like stuff like that is explained like from the get-go like from the beginning so that's that's a cool uh just cool storytelling i guess and um yeah i mean the the disintegration is cool the 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 current uh, explanation is a car accident what what was it again in the movie it's a car accident it's a car yeah it's a car accident was it is that the same in the comics now do you know uh we'll get into it but i would say that it's they combined the original teen titans idea of it being an attack with the fact that dark side was the first person to sort of bring the justice league together so okay. it is, it is way, somewhat the, similar. The, okay, thank you. The, so the there's one more, like, we talked about 8-Man After before, this anime that might have inspired RoboCop. Mm. This is a guy that gets fucked up and gets Robo parts before RoboCop for sure. It might have been a little bit after 8-Man After, but I think this idea is just in people's heads. Let's, Especially in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, let's replace human parts with, with robotic parts. But the other thing is... Um, and, and again, I think this is just a coincidence, but there's a famous, like, real bloody scene at a football stadium in that anime Eight Man After. Mm. Uh, so, I just, for me, I think of that a lot whenever I when I think of uh, hmm. Cyborg. Yeah. Huh. So. I didn't know about that part. But yeah, yeah. I, I also didn't connect Eight Man to this until you brought it up. So I'm just like, yeah, that is kind of like the another RoboCop type of situation. His body's all, all fucked up, and then he gets robotics robotic stuff it's all it's it's a, just a common thought i think in sci-fi yeah. yeah i think so uh as discussed in our justice league origins episode the first adaptation of cyborg was actually in an animated series it was in the final iteration of super friends called the superpowers team galactic guardians in 1985 uh hbo max is supposed to take on super friends in june and when dc universe had it it had basically all the different iterations of super friends ending in galactic guardians so anyway, uh, I hope that uh, HBO Max is able to bring that in because that'd be awesome. Now I can finally rewatch some of these. They got the they got the rights. They do. So they should they should be able to. And it would be Adam West voicing Batman, encountering mm-hmm. Cyborg and stuff. So oh, that's damn. another that's another plus here. This is the first time that Cyborg is connected to the Justice League rather rather than Teen Titans. So that's another aspect to this that makes it important, as well as the fact that it's believed that he replaced Black Falcon. I mean, not Black Falcon. I'm thinking of that Key Peel sketch. <laughs> Black they say Vulcan. that in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I know. Too. I'm like, was that a yeah. reference? <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a Key and Peel. Yeah, go Black Falcon. <laughs> 
I'm Green uh, Falcon. I'm the Green Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> so he oh, replaced Black man. Vulcan as the main Black member of the team, Super Friends. Uh, okay. Which makes sense because Cyborg is now the new, like, he's a newer superhero when they were trying to revamp stuff. Uh, as mentioned in our Justice League Origins episode, he is voiced by Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. So oh, that's shit. cool. Did not know so, that. He was the original Cyborg. So Cyborg's origin is only briefly covered by a medical journal read by Dr. Martin Stein, who's the half of the superhero Firestorm. Uh, Stein reads that Cyborg was a, quote, promising decathlon athlete until an accident destroyed most of his body, and his father had to replace parts of it. They do not cover any other details. There's no death of the mom. We don't see much dissolving of the face, because this is a cartoon, even in 1985. So that is not covered right, at all. Right, but right. Cyborg apparently is friends with Firestorm and decides to join the Justice League when they all join together to fight Darkseid. So again, another little bit of a connection to Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is Cyborg fighting Darkseid decades before we got it in the New 52 or in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So that's pretty cool, I think. Uh, so that was not only the first adaptation of Cyborg's origin, but the first adaptation of Cyborg in general. And then, of course, we got the Teen Titans show that Zach talked about that a lot of people grew up with. But the first live-action version of Cyborg, which was my invitation to Cyborg, was in Smallville in 2006 because Smallville had everybody. Uh, <laughs> who, who did they not have? <laughs> yes. Uh, the first live-action version was played by Lee Thompson Young in Season 5, Episode 15, in an episode simply called Cyborg. And it was written by Carolyn Dries, or Dries, uh, who's now the showrunner on Batwoman. So... Uh, a oh, lot shit. of Smallville writers have gone on to help produce the Arrowverse stuff. Anyway, this version of Victor, because of the Smallville budget, I guess, but he does not have any cybernetic parts on the outside. He's more of a Terminator <laughs> where he looks like a human and has a metal endoskeleton. They even have a part where his, his arm, he like cuts open the skin of the arm and you see the metal <laughs> skeleton arm underneath, that type of stuff. Not exactly like Arnold in T2, Split but the whole thing similar off. thing. But uh, this is probably meant for budget reasons rather than Definitely. anything else. Uh, at one point, Clark does do the x-ray vision on him, and you can see he's got cybernetic parts, including the whole like eyepiece thing on the inside. And uh, Victor does – he is able to turn his eye to like, red and stuff like that. In order to, he basically has does have the cybernetic eye. It's just not obvious. He looks like a human on the outside. He just looks like a regular Joe on the outside. Uh, in this version – it says that his parents and his little sister, and supposedly him, all died in a car crash. So there's no Silas Stone surviving to put him together, that type of stuff. There is a little sister who exists only for her to die in this car crash. But I think it's notable because I believe, from what I found, that this is the first instance where Victor Stone's injuries come from a car crash, and not from an alien attack where his uh... face gets disintegrated. So he's the only survivor of that, and he is res resurrected not by his dad, because his dad is dead, but by a doctor named Alistair Krieg, played by Mackenzie Gray. Mackenzie Gray being the actual Alistair Krieg? Alistair Krieg, yes. Who's this not guy's a, a villain, character. right? Yes, he is. How, do, how, like could, you okay. how must, could you know? How could you know? Put him like that. <laughs> Alistair Krieg. Yes. Definitely the of, good um... guy in this episode. <laughs> when you so, said that, he not? Of... What was it? When you said that, I was thinking of uh, Alastair Smythe from Spider-Man. <laughs> it's another cross. It's from like, the Spider-Man animated <laughs> series, yeah. He was a little... Uh, he was like a robot person, right? Yeah. The yeah, Kingpin as well in the background. We call yeah. like, Smythe? Yep. <laughs> oh. Spider-Slayers, spider that's it. Yeah. Yes. 
So yeah, yeah no, that's it's Alistair why they Creed. Call me the Kingpin. <laughs> He's played by Mackenzie Gray, who also played the Kryptonian scientist Jax Ur in Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. And he was also an old clone of Lex Luthor in um, one of the final seasons. So uh, Mackenzie Gray plays the evil scientist. This is, I think, the only time where Victor's put together by an evil scientist. But Victor is an experiment until he escapes from a lab after a scientist sort of takes pity on him and helps him escape. And he gets help from a young Clark Kent. Uh, in this version, both Superman and uh, Cyborg are the same age. They both know each other through football because Vic used to play football for Metropolis and Clark played for Smallville High. So that's kind of how they know each other. Uh, this okay. is also significant because I believe this is the first instance to say that Victor Stone is a football athlete rather than just a general athlete or a track star or a decathlon athlete or anything like that. He's specifically a football star. So Smallville version. added the car crash and the football aspect. Yes, unless there's okay. a comic in between that I'm not aware of that they were drawing after drawing off of but was smallville close to metropolis in the uh, show it was it seemed like it was because clark was going back and forth between smallville and metropolis in basically the second half of the whole entire series yeah i always assumed they were really far away i mean i, I thought like it was essentially kansas <laughs> in this kansas version like they're maybe, yeah they're yeah. maybe like an hour apart and clark's super oh, speed yeah. enables him to get there in like minutes that's what it seems like in this yeah version. yeah yeah uh, throughout the episode, Vic just wants to get back to his girlfriend, Catherine, but the lab wants him back. And the lab, of course, is owned by none other than Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor owns Alistair Krieg, and this is around the time where Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor was becoming more and more evil. Uh, so Clark helps out Victor and helps reunite him with Catherine at the end of the episode. And as mentioned in our Justice League Origins episode, Cyborg later joins Green Arrow's Justice League, becoming a founding member, member and foreshadowing what would happen New 52 and Zack Snyder's Justice League. So this version of Cyborg is actually very influential on a lot of the stuff that we've seen. Uh, the actor who played him, Lee Thompson Young, would later go on to be part of David Goyer's show, David Goyer being the writer of the Dark Knight trilogy and Man of Steel, that show being Flash Forward, if you guys remember that one. Uh, it, was, it lasted one season, and Lee Thompson Young played an FBI agent who finds out that in the future... Uh, an innocent person will die, and in order to change that, the FBI agent decides to commit suicide and jump off the roof in order to prevent that death from happening. Uh, I bring this up is sort of an eerie similarity because in 2013, uh, Lee Thompson Young was found dead in his apartment from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Jesus. Uh, his family has launched the Lee Thompson Young Foundation in an effort to remove the stigma from mental illness and have suicide awareness. And there's obviously the reconnection to Zack Snyder's Justice League here, because as we talked about before, uh, that was finished in the shadow of Autumn Snyder's suicide. And Cyborg was kind of, as we'll go into when we get to the Snyder version, sort of the closest character to what Autumn was going through at the time. So I think uh, it's sort of an eerie connection of uh, the whole aspect of suicide being tied into, or suicide prevention being tied into this character. But aside from that, uh, what are your guys' overall thoughts on the Smallville version of Cyborg? I'm sure you're probably not too crazy about the fact that he's basically like Terminator with no cybernetic parts <laughs> on the outside. But it, it is pretty influential as I, as I went through the history and found that it had all these connections. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I don't like the fact that he looks completely normal on the outside. That kind of takes away a lot of his pathos as far as like him feeling like an outsider and mm -hmm. uh, a freak and everything you know he can just blend in with everybody so 
I don't know, like, it seems like he's getting the benefits of being a cyborg without having to deal with all the issues that the, you know, current version of cyborg or the more well-known version of cyborg has to deal with. So I feel like that his personality would be so much different. Mm-hmm. I do like the fact that it's the car accident thing. Um, I, I think that's like an, a, a cleaner origin or like a cleaner uh solution instead of having like an alien and everything i know that the idea of cyborg is already science fiction but for me like whenever aliens get involved it's like it seems a little more far-fetched mm-hmm. but i think that's pretty cool um i was thinking man i i wonder if they've ever done a storyline with cyborg going up against metallo i feel like the oh, comic yeah. book versions would be very similar <clears throat> similar nice issues matchup. they probably have yeah, I would I'm sure. Andrew, what did you think of this? Seems like we have some very influential things happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, them changing it from track star to football um, does make it, like, probably harder for the international audience to get, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I think just like cricket for Americans is, is a little, like, we just don't know what the fuck's going on when we right. see those <laughs> random clips every now and again. We just think the bug. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how most of the world is with American football. But it's a team sport, right? And he's often in the Justice League, so it's uh, it just works in that way, and it can add to the devising a strategy. Is he the quarterback? I believe he was the Do quarterback you know? in the in Smallville. You mean? And and generally, is he? You know? uh, I believe he is. Yeah. Yeah. So devising the strategy, the play. Um, that's, uh, you know, that works. And, um, he should have had at least like, like in Mortal Kombat 3 or even the first one in the game, they just get like a fucking like pie tin or some shit and cut it out (laughs) made it to the guy's face. And it's cheesy, but at least it's something, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? They could have done something a little better than that. And you add that like with the red eye effect with early 2000s. VFX, <laughs> it, it could have worked, but they went this other route that, you know, was just, you know, it's Smallville, so whatever. He's also in a silver hoodie. Did I forget to mention that? I was about that. to say, he's got to be hoodie. in a hoodie. He's always in a hoodie, like it seems like. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the hoodie is more true to him than with other characters. Uh, because okay. of the fact it, that that's where he first showed up in, in the Teen Titans issue number one, where he just shows up in disguise that way. So I guess it makes sense. It, he's wearing it even in his first comic, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, shows up on red. the track. All right, all right. Yeah. So let's see. The animated series Teen Titans started in 2003, and that's the one that Zach is familiar with. And a lot of people are more familiar with Cyborg in that version. Uh, and voiced by actor Carrie Payton. Uh, and uh, obviously that iteration sort of morphed into Teen Titans Go in 2013. This version is the one that's most famous for the catchphrase Booyah, which is from the show and did not originate from the comics, Uh, but that is specific (laughs) to the cartoon. Uh, However, here's where things get slightly confusing. The 2003 Teen Titans show had a comic book tie-in series called Teen Titans Go. This is not to be confused with the actual cartoon Teen Titans Go that premiered 10 years later. This is a tie-in comic to the original Teen Titans series, which was a serious, I mean, still lighthearted, but pretty much staying true to the comic and trying to do their version of the storyline. It basically has the same affection that people have for Batman being a series, but for Teen Titans characters. Different style, but 
people have that same, I would say, affection for this version of the Teen Titans. Teen Titans Go is kind of a more kid, I would not even more kid friendly, but it's just a way sillier version as we've seen mm-hmm. talked about when we covered Teen Titans Go to movies. So this it is, is a, it is insane. Yeah. Have you guys watched a lot of that? Yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> I I actually <laughs> I almost hate. I don't want to. I almost don't want to admit how much I like that. Show. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It, it is, is fun, so yeah. funny. Like in speaking of cyborg, there's a couple lines where he says like he he turns fully human again. The super silly version, right? Mm-hmm. So he turns fully human and he says, "Oh, the skin is so soft and weak. <laughs> I want to get back my cyborg parts." <laughs> My favorite line of his was, uh, I don't know why he and Beast Boy were dressed as grandmothers, but it was like, <laughs> you better keep episode. your teeth in tight, there's about to be a grandma fight. It was just this <laughs> great line. There's a Beetlejuice episode, too. Really? I remember, yeah, I remember being really excited about it. Damn. I was like, oh, yeah, Warner mm-hmm. Brothers owns Beetlejuice. I guess they can do that. It just was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, He loves uh, the Golden Girls, too, Cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he, like, quotes it, and he... Uh, He's, <laughs> yeah, he knows all about the Golden Girls in the show, which is fucking hilarious. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about the more serious version, still kind of silly, but the more serious version from the Teen Titans series from 2003. And so in the issue Teen Titans Go number 45 in 2007, they covered the origin of the Teen Titans animated series version of Cyborg. So this is written by Jay Torres. Art by Fabio Laguna. Colors by Heroic Age. Letters by John J. Hill and editor was Tom Palmer Jr. And Cyborg is talking to his girlfriend, uh, Sarah Sims. And uh, he brings up his origin by the campfire that uh, he used to be a decathlon athlete, so similar to the 80s version. Uh, But he was shown to like fast cars. And because of that, he got into a car accident. So this is now carrying over the idea of the car accident from uh, the Smallville Smallville TV show from the previous year. Uh, In this version, both of Victor's parents are actually still alive when he gets into that car accident. And together, they give him the cybernetic parts to save his life. He says, quote, one was an expert in biomechanics and advanced robotics. The other was a leader in nanotechnology and the cybernetics field. So I believe this is the only iteration where both Silas and Eleanor are still alive and provide the cybernetic parts to him, which makes sense because it's a kid's show and it's a kid's comic. So uh, I thought that was interesting in terms of that carrying over into uh, basically the car accident now is carried over into Teen Titans Go comic as well as the idea that, you know, he doesn't his mom to die in this version of it uh his parents are still alive in this so i thought that was pretty cool what do you guys think of the teen titans go um, i mean did you ever read these zach i don't know if mm-hmm. these were around at the yeah time. yeah i've got a couple issues of those i didn't have that one but um mm-hmm. yeah that's really cool i i kind of like that his parents work together to save him it kind of adds another wrinkle mm-hmm. into that version storyline um the car thing definitely makes sense to me because I know in multiple episodes he's working on like a car. Like he, there's one or two episodes I can remember that he is like working on a car and he feels like more in tune with like the machinery and uh, he feels like he sometimes he just has to get away and like work on that mm-hmm. instead of trying to deal with people in that version. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and again, the car accident thing I think is a much cleaner version. Of course, even the series Teen Titans has aliens and stuff too, but it just seems a little more uh, simplistic. So, yeah, I really like that. But I like that both of his parents work together to put him back together because he may still resent being alive, 
but it's not like there's another part of a tragedy in there of losing his mother right. in the accident. It's like their, you know, their love for him essentially mm-hmm. saved his life, and it's not like they were experimenting on him right. as he was a kid and stuff too. That's right. kind of weird. So yeah, this is I think maybe one of the uh, my my favorite origins for Cyborg. Gotcha, Andrew. It sounds good. I'm just surprised there was another Teen Titans Go that wasn't the silly one. Right. This, so this was, a, like, so just to reconfirm, this is a comic series at what time? What was the time period? 2004, which is the yeah, time the 2003 Teen Titans animated show. The, the show Teen Titans Go premiered in 2013. Okay. So the phrase Teen Titans Go uh, being the title comes from this comic, not necessarily... Mm-hmm. From the animated series, but it comes with the comics first. But that's why it's confusing because we associate Teen Titans Go with that show. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah. Comics, everybody. Seems like yeah. (laughs) It's not hard to follow at all. (laughs) Um, The uh, car aspect is cool. That would that's a good explanation. I mean, you know, kind of reminds me of Ghost Rider too for some reason, but I know that's pretty different. But (laughs) anyway, um, so yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about this point, I guess. I mean, it seems cool. Was the art Mm -hmm. cool? Is the artwork on this series pretty cool? It's it's meant to be, oh, on on the series, I think it it is a good uh, replication of the animated show, at least from my remember of it. So yeah, it's it's in that sort of cartoon style. But I think it, it sort of explains why the cyborg is not as angry as the version in the mm-hmm. comic because he doesn't have a reason. To. He doesn't have the same emotional baggage compared to the original 1980 run from Marvel. They're trying to make it a little lighter for this tone, for this because this mm-hmm. is an extension. This is like an extra season that they do sometimes, right? Did yeah. that show end and then they try to finish it off with this uh, comic series? Is that basically what No, it's around the same yeah. time. It's around the same time. Oh, just, it ran it's, concurrently. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like okay. the tie-in comics for the Batman the animated series. It was like Batman Adventures, Batman and Robin Adventures. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like a continuation of that universe. But yeah, it just happens to be in, in tandem with the same animated series going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. It also right. means that the cyborg that says Booyah has the least emotional baggage compared to the other versions. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fucking booyah, man. <laughs> Who, it just seems wrong. But people did say that in the 90s. But it just seems odd now. You know? I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I think that... Uh, <laughs> I, I think that they wanted to make it as kiddish as possible uh, at the time. And so a lot of the elements were pared down. So obviously Raven is a little less satanic. But also still supernatural. Her dad <laughs> is Satan. Is by the way, Tra- let's yes. not Tragon. overlook that. Trigon, 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 right? Mm-hmm. It's like a fucking like got like a thousand eyes, like a spider. Does he have six He's eyes? Or I think it's four or six. Yeah, right. Something on Tri- yeah. Trigon. Yeah, yeah. That shit's wild, dude. So yeah. Uh, but Cyborg would then get a revamped origin and become part of the Justice League from the beginning of the New 52, and we'll be covering that as well as everything else that came afterwards after the break. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Some call it corn, we call it therapy. We're adults with the virility of men. Want to hear us read snack food copy and talk about Japanese chips? Too bad! Join us every month or so on the Greenlit Podcast Network. I don't even have to run fast around this guy. I'm going to walk on up to him.
<laughs> oh, hey, what's up, Wally? What's up? <laughs> How about this? I'm here to take you in, man. You've been... You're drunk. You're about to get in that plane, man. That's fucked up. I've just been having a hard time, man. First, this Robin kid tries to kill me with his cape. Then this Dr. Doom guy tries to get me to free him. Then the Riddler gives me a hard time and steals my ring. Just give me a break, dude. But you got the ring back or what? I did, and then I even farted one out for him. Well, that's good, man, because, I mean, you shouldn't be flying, you know, Green Lantern style or in this plane that you're about to get into. So I'm going to have to take you in, man. I know you're normally the cop, but this is a citizen's arrest. Man, don't touch me. What are you, like 14 years old? Well, I am Kid Flash, man. So, yeah, I'm going to zoom over and uh, take you over. Come here! Now if my ring has anything to say, ah, oh, shit, you're yellow. <laughs> you can't do anything. Fucking dumbass powers afraid of yellow. Fucking a banana could fuck you up, man. For once, it actually is a factor. We're just gonna go to your apartment. Where do you live again, man? I'm not telling you where I live. <laughs> well, you gotta sleep on this fucking bench. Yeah, that's true, too. All right. Give me give me the keys. Are there keys to this fucking plane? Is that how it works? I mean, can you even fly? I'm the pilot. You're, you ain't, you're 14. Yeah, you can't fly but you're not anything. Fly, you're drunk. You're not flying this thing, man. Give me this shit. And hey, man, hey, give me the ring, too. I know I just you can't be doing any type of flying. Here you go, Wally. <laughs> now I got the ring. <laughs> Green. Oh, it doesn't work on me either because I'm wearing yellow. Yeah, yeah, because you're in yellow. You dumbass. Can't even put it on my finger. It's like two magnets. Well, I guess I give me back that ring then. You can't even no, wear it. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. All right, you can just fly me back home, right? You got the keys to the plane, so I'll just I'll just tell you how to fly it. I, I You know, I'm a kid, but I can hold you up. I, you know, the speed force is going to be all right. And uh, we're going to just uh, zoom on home, all right? I'll hold the back of your head so it doesn't, your neck doesn't snap. It'll be all right. Don't worry about it. I do it all the time. Uh, I appreciate it. All right, fine. Let's do it. All right, cool. Wait, we're, we're in Antarctica. I, where, where the fuck is your house again? Duh, I forgot. You were so drunk, you're not even cold. That's crazy, man. It warms me up. Okay. Take me to Boa. I can't go into space, man. All right, so... Uh, Just do one of those speed thingies. Transports to Oa stuff. All right, man, I know a place. We're going to head to Gotham real quick. Okay, how about this? Yes, Wayne Manor residents. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can smell it. It's Hal Jordan. He's been exposed to just too much alcohol poisoning. Bring him in here. Uh, yes, indeed, my good man. Master Wayne, <clears throat> one of your good super friends is here. What is it, Alfred? Damn it, Wally, I told you to stop showing up, and oh my god, Hal, you're completely trashed. Man, he is completely gone, dude. Yeah, I just, uh... If it, He's blacking out. If that's a plant, I just threw up in it, just letting you know. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, man, he's, it's not even the yellow suit this time. He just fucking had too many tequilas on near at that bar near the base. Well, Damien did give him a hard time the other day, so I guess he uh, just got pissed off. Well, um, I, you could probably already tell, man, but, uh, you know, you can't stay at my place, and you kind of got a lot of rooms. So just wondering if you can take in dumbass over here and let him sleep it off. Fine, bring him in, Alfred. He can take the 30th spare room. Very well, sir. I'll just carry him on my 
brittle back. Hey, man. I am only 70 years old. Hey, Bruce, I think you, you need to handle this, man. I don't know why you're having this fucking geriatric carry around a, a fucking grown-ass, built-ass man. He's, he's only doing that for show. This man kicks my ass every time in the gym. He's only doing that for your benefit. Oh, you got me again, Master Bruce. This is the strong Alfred. All right, I got you. I only have the body of an old... British gent. You drink uh, whiskey without the E. I get it. Indeed. Well, Wally, I guess you saved Hal's life. Indeed, my good man. Do you have any money for me? Why do you need money? I need to get a firehouse sub real quick. You don't have like $5 on you? Hell no, man. I spent it all in this yellow ass suit. <sighs> all right. Well, come on in. I'll, I'll make you another firehouse sub like that other time when we were talking to John. Hell yeah, brother. Do you want it on white or wheat? Uh... Wheat, I guess. And make it snappy. Alright, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes basically consider it superhouse dlc hi this is zachary jackson brown and you're listening to superhero stuff you should know and if you're not well your old uncle joker would tell you you're a lazy motherfucker all right we are back to discuss cyborg and how he became part of the justice league one of the founding members of justice league now, as we covered, he was part of the Smallville version of Justice League. Uh, and then in 2010, he joined the Justice League in Justice League of America number 41, where he, along with a bunch of other Teen Titans like Starfire, Don Troy, and Dick Grayson, who was Batman at the time, all sort of became the Justice League. But around 2011, we had the New 52, which was the big reboot for DC Comics. And that's where they decided, hey, let's do a new version of the Justice League in the main story that was doing that was called Justice League Origin. It was a story arc by Jeff Johns, writing art by Jim Lee, inks by Scott Williams, coloring by Alex Clare, and literary by, was uh, Patrick Rosal or Brosum. Uh, anyway, this was adapted into Justice League War, an animated movie in 2014, and uh, we have a Patreon episode that it compares the two, so check that out if you haven't already, or if you're not already part of Patreon. Anyway, $5 a month, cancel any time. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> so we covered the full breakdown of the differences between comic and movie. Uh, but here we'll only really talk about the cyborg origin. So a few changes made to the cyborg origin. Victor is now from Detroit, uh, as opposed to New Jersey in the Teen Titans comics in the 1980s. In this version, Eleanor Stone is already dead through mysterious circumstances. So there is not a connection between her death and uh, Victor Stone's accident. She's already Trigon. dead before. It was Trigon killed the devil. Silas partially blames Silas partially blames himself for her death, not Satan, but himself uh, for her death. And uh, again, this is all unrelated to Victor becoming cyborg right now. Victor does start off as a high school football player, so that is now the full incorporation of Victor Stone and football is brought in. The scene from Zack Snyder's Justice League, where he scores a touchdown, celebrates, and then he sees his dad's empty seat in the stands, is right out of the comic and out of the animated movie as well. So I was glad that that was carried over into that, because that, in one visual second, conveys the relationship between uh, Victor and Silas from all this. 
Silas is not around to support Victor in his football career because he believes the existence of metahumans and superheroes and stuff will render athletes obsolete. So he just doesn't see that it's going to ever go anywhere. He's overly logical about this. And so Victor goes to Star Labs to confront him about it. At uh, Silas is at a Detroit facility for Star Labs. It is a quote-unquote level nine facility made to, quote, collect and analyze foreign, extraterrestrial, and sentient technology deemed too dangerous to share with the world. One of those pieces of technology is a mother box. Oh, uh, and it explodes and causes an accident that kill that nearly kills Victor. Of course, Silas puts him into a part of the lab called the Red Room. And the technology uh, basically helps to rebuild him and keep him alive. That is basically um, thanks to a few things. One is a Promethean skin graft. The other is a responsometer by Dr. Will Magnus, who's of uh, basically uh, the metal men. Uh, Professor Ivo's Amaze operating system, which is the precursor, I think, to Amazo, uh, a classified prototype B Maze operating system as well. Graduate student Ryan Choi's white dwarf stabilizer, so that's how Ryan Choi plays a role in uh, Silas Stone helping to create Cyborg. And then energies, of course, from the mother bomb. Victor becomes Cyborg and helps to stop the invasion of Darkseid and ends up joining the other superheroes who become the Justice and his origin is tied into the origin of the team itself. So that's kind of cool. And that is Justice League origin. I think that's probably the one that most of us are, are the most familiar with, I would say. Indeed, Ben. So any other thoughts on Justice League origin? Hmm. I actually never read any of the new 52 stuff involving Justice League, so I didn't realize that they drew uh -huh. so much inspiration for uh, you know the film off of that storyline. I do like that it's not solely the Mother Box's properties that just create Cyborg. Mm -hmm. I like that they're drawing from its energies and all these other people are coming together to create him. I think that's important. I feel like in the movie it is simplified for those purposes, but it almost feels like, well, it just let the Mother Box hook up to this other machine and it just yeah. turns him into Cyborg and it's... It's kind of like, I don't know, it just seems a little bit too easy or or something like that. Something about it I don't like as much, but I, I do like this version where uh, more people have a hand in his creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Andrew, I'm, do you feel I'm the same I'm pretty way? familiar with this one because I saw War, and I think I did read these comics too, actually. Believe mm -hmm. it or not, everybody. <laughs> Um, I did read these, um, <laughs> and I remember just thinking, this is good, but not quite as good as Justice League Doom. <laughs> I'm just a huge fan of yeah. that one. Mm -hmm. That's just such a such a good Justice League movie. Um, and yeah, I, I guess this is the moment in which this is this is the beginning of our modern cyborg, right? Yeah. Like this, this, this is the one we know. This is the one they're kind of building off of even to this day because Rebirth was kind of a soft reboot, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas New 52 was a hard reboot. Um, yeah. I, I think it's that's what I've gathered. And uh, so Rebirth and New 52 still sort of connected, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we're still all going off of that one. And uh, yeah, it's good. I mean... I don't know what I would do different. And that scene where he looks where his father's not in the stands, you have to have that. That's yeah. really important. Mm -hmm. um, that was in your uh, right, right up as well. Yeah, and it was in my really Justice League, the, the time travel cut. Yeah, the time right. travel cut. So yeah. <laughs> it was great that Zack Snyder got to bring him back to life, live action. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this is a really solid one. And it's, of course, the one that's the most influential on Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think Zack Snyder's Justice League has kind of a nice combination of all the different stuff we've been talking about so far. That's the next adaptation. It was meant for release in 2017 and shot in 2016. However, I'm going to save this one for last since we technically didn't see it in until 2021. And, uh, you know, I think that we should end on the note of the Ray Fisher, Zack Snyder, Chris Terrio version of Cyborg. Right. So that means that the next one we're going to talk about is from 2019, the Doom Patrol series that started on DC Universe and is now on HBO Max. Cyborg there is played by British actor Joyvan Wade, and this cyborg is from Detroit, just like in the New 52. And as I noted in our Snyder Cut was True Justice episode, he first appears in a scene where he talks to a woman through an ATM and helps her out and shows up in a hoodie. So very interesting there, very similar. Uh, through the first yeah. season of Doom Patrol, we learn his origin as the villain Mr. Nobody makes him relive it. And in this version, Victor gets into an argument with his mom, not his dad, but with his mom in the lab and in a fit of rage he knocks over chemicals that set off an explosion that kill her and leave him injured uh oh, his dad man. That's yeah rough. yeah so he's more directly responsible in this yeah, version yeah 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 uh his dad silas stone played by phil morris helps prepare him as usual there is no alien creature there's no dark side connection the only sci-fi here is in the actual cybernetic parts uh in the series however victor later learns that his mom did not actually die in the explosion both he and his mom barely survived, and Silas Stone had to make a choice which one to use the cybernetic parts for. Oh my god. Honestly, I, I'm skipping ahead, but I'm loving this, actually. Yeah, this is yeah, great drama yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, it was the chief of the Doom Patrol, Niles Calder, played by Timothy Dalton, who told Silas, choose Victor. Because he knew that Victor would have the body, and who was at the age to be able to handle the enhancements from the nanotech. So Silas then turned Victor into Cyborg, but kept that a secret from Victor. And Victor's guilt over feeling like he killed his mom drove him to become a crime fighter in Doom Patrol. So, well, this should very... be part of the fucking. Uh, this is it right here. <laughs> this is forget the New Fifty Two. Let's do this. One. <laughs> this is heavy as hell, but shit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that is from the Doom Patrol. This is very original to that show, because yeah. I couldn't find any comics with. Victor, you know, having a tantrum and accidentally killing his mom. I couldn't find any comics where Niles Calder played any role whatsoever in Victor sort of being, uh, there being a choice between saving Victor or saving Eleanor. And of course, Silas Stone, as we see in the show, he kind of goes from like this cold-hearted jerk dad to you realizing that he had to make this choice years ago out of love for his son. An impossible choice. And uh, he is keeping that. You know, he's sort of holding back uh, on that idea and not knowing that keeping that a secret is what caused Victor to feel so guilty that he went out for a crime fighting. So it's a very interesting character study. I think Doom Patrol is, is sort of an underrated DC show because not a lot of people talk about it or see it, but it's very well done. Uh, so your thoughts on this version. Zach, have you seen the show? No, I've only seen them in Titans. I saw the part whenever they they got to the Doom Patrol, but Cyborg mm -hmm. wasn't in that episode or two. He's not. Um, yeah, because technically the Doom Patrol and Titans are... Technically Titans and Doom Patrol are different, even though it's some of the same cast. 
but they're technically yeah. supposed to be. Oh my god! It's a little complex. I thought at least they were uh, connected. <laughs> no. Oh my! Well, yeah. So I did. <sighs> I I haven't seen Doom Patrol yet, but um, yeah, that sounds really good. That is very heavy, but again, I I like that there's no bizarre alien dissolving anybody. And it you really, really don't like that. <laughs> I don't. You don't I like, like it. it. I like things to be a little more simplified. It's the it's the Batman fan in me. I like things I to be so, a yeah. little more down to earth. And you need uh, a mugger in the street shooting his right. body parts off, <laughs> and some fucking like pearls fall into the goddamn street. Yeah, just like Robocop, <laughs> just blasting off his limbs. So. <laughs> Especially yeah, I, in that fucking uh, uncut <laughs> director's cut or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's gnarly, man. Lingering. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like it. And like we said, it is really heavy, but it does give him, again, some more pathos. And it's like, wow, like I, his guilt over what he thinks is his fault, which it partly is, but his guilt is driving him to, uh, you know, be a hero instead of just, um, I don't know. Instead of just like being angry at his dad the whole time, now mm-hmm. now his dad is partially responsible, but he doesn't know it. So it's just right. and his dad having to make that decision is really um, that's powerful. So yeah, that, that that's my second favorite origin mm-hmm. for Cyborg <laughs> so far. Andrew, I believe Trigon was on his shoulders saying, "You shall marry again. Choose your son. <laughs> Let the wife die." <laughs> 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 They're fake it. It was, everybody. It was Niles. Don't get yeah. too bent out of shape. All right. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think it's my favorite. Honestly, I know this breaks with canon, mm-hmm. but it works for me because you have Silas's choice, and it's his, and it's uh, Victor's fault ultimately, and um, he has to live with that. And he, that's why he cho- he's he's seeking redemption. Yeah. So it's a, it's a redemption arc for him. And uh, I think that really works. Cyborg in these shows does look a little... Effects are just a little silly looking. But for me anyway, I mean... uh, But it's fine. It's better than what Smallville did. Uh, (laughs) But the actual storytelling is good. And I have seen the first few... I might have seen the first full season of this. But I don't remember Hmm. all this backstory. I haven't seen at least half a season. I just remember the show just being wacky as hell. Yeah. It is straight up zany, man. And <laughs> like I like I like that they went all the way with it, but I also kind of lost the thread sometimes while I was watching it. You know, you you can't really uh do other shit and and watch that show. You have to really <laughs> <No>. zone in <laughs> and watch it. So um so yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I'm a few episodes into the second season, but yeah, this yeah. this part was covered in the first season or so, and I definitely remember it being like, well, that's an interesting take uh, on it, and, and looking into the comics to see, like, is this from the comics, or did they just come up with it? Like, yeah, they definitely came up with all that stuff, and then there's also, like, a lot of dark shit of Mr. Nobody sort of manipulating Cyborg into beating up his dad nearly to death and that type of stuff, oh, so it's yeah. a lot of it's a, it's a lot of stuff, and Alan Tudyk is great twisted and evil as uh, Mr. Nobody on it. So I think it's uh, it's a really cool way to bring Cyborg into the Doom Patrol sort of world because he, this is the only time really that he's brought into it. They brought him into Doom Patrol rather than Titans. And he's kind of the more traditional mainstay superhero, the more normal one, the most normal one out of the group, <laughs> really, out of everybody on it. And I, I think if they brought their own weirdness to it. And I, I 
appreciate sort of the balls on them to be like, hey, we're going to do something different, not just be like, yeah, just adapt that comic. No offense to people who actually did stay true to the comic, but obviously there's something about this one where we're just like, hey, that's that's definitely onto your own unique take that is pretty awesome in some ways. But it's it's Morrison's Doom Patrol run, right? I mean, it's just that's why it's so wacky. Oh, well, yeah, it's Morrison's Doom Patrol run, but I'm, yeah. I'm saying Cyborg's not in that run. Yeah, 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 I gotcha, yeah, yeah. So for them to bring Cyborg in, they definitely wanted to put their own stamp on the character and not just yeah. be like, yeah, whatever with this dude. Let's just continue going off the Doom Patrol because they could have done that as well. You know, this is, I could be wrong, Internet, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the comics, Doom Patrol came out like March that year in the 60s, original, original Doom Patrol, and then X-Men came out a few months after, like in October or something. And I think it was like Marvel's response. X-Men is Marvel's response to Doom Patrol in some way. It was definitely after, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But shortly after, same year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting it's, what happens. Yeah, because it's, it's another guy in a wheelchair who's got a mansion yeah. full of people <laughs> who are considered yeah. freaks. Yeah. And that the guy in the wheelchair goes from being seeming like he's this benevolent person, but might have a lot of darkness within and yes, different secrets yes. and that type of stuff. So, uh, dude, very interesting. The Marvel calls the DC the distinguished competition. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, what would you say, Zach? I'm sorry. I think X-Men just has a better name. That's why they've uh, surpassed Doom Patrol. <sighs> Man, you know, I, I'm a huge X-Men fan, too, so mm. I, 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 yeah. can't, I can't disagree. Doom, but Doom yeah. Patrol is a fucking sweet name, but it sounds like yes. it should be like, and like it I'm has an eighties eighties <laughs> horror vibe to it. Yeah. Doom Patrol. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's something like there should be eighty zombies and shit. And I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm going off the deep end, but it's. Uh, I saw Those I saw Army of the Dead recently. So uh, anyway, <laughs> Doom Patrol versus zombies. Let's see it happen. Season three. <laughs> yeah, souped up zombies or something. Yeah. Uh, next one is the other. Uh, DC Universe HBO Max show that covers Cyborg. It's funny because when DC Universe premiered, it's like, we have Titans and now we have Young Justice. I'm just like, okay, Young Justice is basically another version of Titans in yes. some way. Uh, yes. But Young Justice Outsiders in 2019 brought Cyborg into the world of Young Justice and sort of adapted Justice League origin. So Victor Stone here is voiced by Zeno Robinson and he's a wide receiver over at Hayward High School. Uh, part of the Steelworkers team is what they're called, the Steelworkers. And uh, he has a sort of the standard relationship with his dad, Silas Stone, who, funny enough, Silas in this version is voiced by Carrie Payton, who was the voice of Cyborg in the Teen Titans show. Oh, so, that's cool. Sort of passing the torch in a way. That's cool. So, as usual, Stone doesn't show up to the football games because Justice League is having him study a father box. Uh, so, much like in Justice League Origin, Victor shows up, has an argument with his dad, and in this version, Victor is walking out and accidentally causes an explosion where he sort of accidentally disconnects an alien device from the power source. And so it's explosion happens, a very graphically violent version of this where you see just they find his body and he's like, see the skull and the brain matter and that type of stuff. And uh, Victor is sort of left with no heart or brain function and Silas is like, I can't let him die. So he uses the father box and fuses it to Victor. And the father box, however, almost sort of takes control over Victor and makes Victor violent at the beginning. So he's almost a villain initially until the character of Halo, a.k.a. Violet Harper, uh, helps out and restores his mind. So that is their version of Young Justice Outsiders. A little bit of a dark twist on the New 52 version. Maybe not as dark as Doom Patrol, 
but yeah. uh, certainly a darker version of what we saw in Justice League Origin and Justice League War. Have you seen Young Justice, Zach? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't even remember the cyborg part. I need to go back and watch it. <laughs> do you, do you I watch really... Young, Young Justice Outsiders? Maybe not then. I only remember watching Young Justice in the season stop, so did it... I didn't know there was a continuation. There's a new yeah. one that they put on DC Universe that's now on HBO Max. So it's a continuing that and exploring the uh, characters from The Outsiders. If yeah. you remember Batman and The Outsiders, they're now yeah. part of Young Justice. And so Violet's part of it. Um, Metamorpho, I think. Like There's a whole bunch of other characters uh, who they bring in. So it's... I got to watch it tonight. Check it out. Binge it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, really like, I really like the... Um, the first part of the show, so yeah. I always wanted it to. Con- I always wanted it to continue. So yeah, that's awesome. I don't like the alien thing though. <laughs> cut out the alien. The alien explosion. It's exactly some aliens it's pretty in there. much like Justice League Origin, where there's a bit of a roll from the dark side stuff. But even the dark side stuff, you don't like. Uh, I can get behind that. I don't know something about the random alien, maybe. I guess so. It's like some some little booger alien that's dissolving people. Booger just, alien. I don't, Wait, I don't how know. How do you feel about Martian Manhunter then? I like him. Okay, you'll accept him. Just not the aliens destroying Cyborg. Not, not the alien. Yeah, creating it. Yeah, I, mean, I Creating don't know. Cyborg, destroying Victor Stone. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just like stuff to be simple. <laughs> I, I want it to be like... It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, alien comes down and shoots his ass. That's not, that's not that complicated. <laughs> It's just like, well, Silas Stone is fucking around with a portal, and look, here comes an alien. It jumps through and melts people, and then he he closes the portal and gets rid of them. So it just, I don't know. It's fine. It's it's, it's a comic book. It's kind of just like too uh, out of nowhere. This alien, and then like he's he's in and out. The alien, he comes in mm-hmm. and then he's sealed <laughs> away. Is that basically why you don't like it? I think so. And it's I like these other origins because it may have more to do with. Uh, either cyborg's own actions or his relationship with his parents rather right. than just like whoop de doo here I go fucking around with science fiction stuff and here comes an alien and I don't know it just seems yeah. <laughs> a little you really don't dis- like it. a little disconnected no I'm just harping on it because I heard alien in there too so it, I'll have to watch it now and see if I, <laughs> I like it um but yeah I don't, it's something about it it's like I, that's why I like the Batman villains the way they are. It's just because it's stuff that happens within the real, realish world that it is, seems like it's just a tiny bit more believable. Crime noir. You're going from crime yeah. noir of Batman to sci-fi. Yeah. And then when it's in Justice League, they're all ma- mashed together, right? Yes. So, yeah. And then you got magic characters, which is fantasy with like Shazam yes. and shit. So you, it's like this big mash of. American comics, well, every everything these days, but it mashes all that shit together. It definitely is. It's a, and I like the version where Cyborg's father is such a, uh, such an expert in the field of cybernetics that he is able to save his son, not just utilizing this alien technology to get it done. It kind of takes it takes something away from him a little bit. Just in my mind, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know. When we, when we see RoboCop, it's like this is this realistic thing happened to this human being, but the advancements in technology have led to them being able to, you know, save and bring back to life, whatever. So I don't know. Something about the alien thing just bugs me. <laughs> All right. I guess I don't you know feel differently, is. Andrew. 
The alien thing does not bother me. I think it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I like the Doom Patrol one the most so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, being disintegrated or partially, that's cool. You know, yeah. why not? I think that 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 action is cool. What happens to him is cool, story-wise. I have seen the Young Justice 1 and 2, but I haven't seen Outsiders just like Zack, I think. Um, I need to get on that because I did really... It was kind of surprising how fucking good that show was, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what... My expectations weren't, like, super high, but it was like... That show was damn near fucking, like... Impeccable. A little, a little bit under Bruce Tim Batman, almost. Like, it was really yeah. solid, you know? Um, and uh, I, I need to get on the uh, Outsiders one, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like them all. I'm, yeah. I'm not like Zach, so... <laughs> like you know how much it would piss me off right now if they came up with a new origin for the Joker. He and he's running from Batman in the chemical factory, and then the catwalk. An alien just comes out of a portal and kicks him in, and then jumps back in the portal. I'd be like, what in the? Fuck? Yeah, but Cyborg deals with robots, which is sci-fi, so it's like very much part of that world. Yeah, and like Martian Manhunter, I understand his origin being. <laughs> an alien origin because he's an alien and Mm -hmm. i don't mind there being aliens in like justice league and across everything but i guess my uh my version of cyborg that i feel most knowledgeable about or um i just have the most experience with is the teen titan show and even though they had aliens and magic stuff going on in it it just seemed like cyborg robot technology like i never really (laughs) thought he had anything to do with aliens so i don't know i'm persnickety it's fine it's fine it's It's just fun i find it funny in the end they're all part of the same world of the dc universe anyway as far as i see yeah but we have finally made it let's get to Zack snyder's justice oh shit version from ray fisher the reason why you guys are probably tuning in so Zack snyder wanted to use cyborg for several reasons one of those is that obviously he's a founding member of the justice league in the new 52 Uh, But he also thought it was important to speak to the theme of unrealized potential. He said, quote, Victor Stone speaks to all of us who are suffering from some depression or self-doubt. We all have this massive untapped potential within us. So that goes into not just his power set, but also the fact that he had the potential to become such a great athlete. And it was taken from due to this accident that happened with him and it took his mom away. Uh, And the potential that he had even just from his intelligence as well, because they bring up that he's a genius as well. It's not just the fact that he's a football player. Uh, We talked before in the Snyder Cut was True Justice episode on how Victor Stone may be the closest character to Autumn Snyder in terms of the idea of I'm not broken, I'm not alone. And the fact that Autumn Snyder uh, even took a picture wearing Victor Stone's Letterman jacket at at one point. So uh, given the fact that she was also the biggest comic book out of all of Snyder's children, it makes sense that he would sort of channel sort of her and her experiences into the writing of this, even during this time she was still alive. Uh, but he's still sort of experiencing this as a parent during this time when he's writing it. It makes sense. So there, the, the, he does. Over. There's a quote from him saying that Autumn Snyder did influence the decision to to make Cyborg the key, the main the main ingredient. Well, he doesn't say that directly, but he says, "quote speaks to all of us who are suffering from some depression or self doubt." And obviously okay. the big person who was part of his life who was suffering from that was Autumn. And this, he said this quote before she committed suicide. No, he said this quote in the interviews about 
the current cut that's out right okay. now. Okay, I get but, it. But, I mean, it's All not right. like... He can't retroactively write stuff outside of the stuff that he shot for uh, the nightmare sequence at the end. Uh, I get, so. I'm, just, I'm, I'm piecing together the timeline here. All okay. right. Okay. So, uh, he cast an unknown actor named Ray Fisher, who we've talked about a lot due to a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But let's focus this one on the actual performance, because this is about Cyborg uh, and what he brought to the screen. So Ray Fisher is mostly a theater actor and was not in any films before his scene in Batman versus Superman and, of course, Justice League. Uh, he was also a creative contributor to the script, as confirmed by Fisher and screenwriter Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio said that Ray Fisher would come to his apartment. Together they would discuss uh, the putting together Cyborg because they felt there was a responsibility in bringing uh, the representation of an African-American superhero on the big screen. This is kind of in between Civil War and Black Panther, in terms of Black Panther debuted in Civil War, but didn't get his own movie yet. And technically, Black Panther is not an African-American superhero. He's an African superhero. That is correct. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, speaking to somebody who has grown up in America, and so Chris Terrio did have an interesting point when he was talking thematically about Cyborg in an interview with uh, Vanity Fair. Cyborg is the one character who can't disguise himself. He lives in his skin. His otherness is a constant fact of his life. And that to me, and Ray, and I discuss this, speaks about being a black man in America. You cannot remove the otherness that people force upon you. And therefore Cyborg, when he becomes the hero that he always should have been and was meant to be, that felt like something really strong that we wanted the world to see. So that was a lot of the intention behind uh, this. And I hadn't really thought about Cyborg in that lens. Uh, on the, the connection to how that can be relatable. Because not all of us are walking around with like half of our body being metal, uh, but seeing it as a metaphor of uh, not being able to hide, that type of thing. But other right. people seeing you as, as the other, which a lot of people sort of go through. So that's definitely an interesting point that Terry brings up here. Uh, Ray Fisher, much like the other actors in Snyder films, did a ton of working out and he went from 190 pounds to 223 pounds. He was in the gym two hours a day, five days a week, and people joke to him, why are you doing this? Because we're not going to see your body. <laughs> so yeah. Fisher brought up, he felt it was important to him, though, to look the part of a college quarterback, as well as the fact that he has these scenes where he's human anyway. And he, he also probably also to, got like uh, some like money or what do you call it? A stipend or something, whatever it yeah. is from Warner Brothers to free gym membership also. Like, yeah, why yeah. not? why not use it? But he also wanted to get into uh, he wanted to get into the mindset of Victor Stone. In Zack Snyder's Justice League, you can tell that Victor Stone has been aged up a little bit, so he's no longer a high school quarterback. He's a college student, and he's specifically at Gotham City University. So this version of Cyborg is at Gotham uh, rather than Detroit or New Jersey like the past versions. During the flashback sequence in the Snyder Cut, it said that he's hacked in and helped his friend Sarah's grades in terms of uh, bumping them up because she was going through a hard time. This could either be a reference to his girlfriend, Sarah Sims, who we mentioned earlier, or it could be Sarah Charles, who's a character in the Teen Titans comics and was part of Silas Stone, Silas Stone's team in Justice League Origin. So could be either one, but there's a little bit of an Easter egg. Eleanor Stone, like her comic book counterpart, is revealed to be a doctor, like in the comics, and she's played by actress Karen Bryson. And uh, 
is the one who actually shows up to her son's football game. So that's a little different from the new 52. Uh, there's a bit of an Easter egg. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when we go to the scoreboard at the football stadium, it says the stadium is being sponsored by Wayne Enterprises. So a little bit yeah. of hmm. Bruce Wayne's influence there. Uh, in the movie, Eleanor and Victor are hit by a car and Eleanor dies and Silas uses the mother box to help keep him alive. So we get a little bit of a mix of all sorts of stuff. We got the car accident, we got the fact that his mom is dead, and we get the sort of Justice League origin type connection of it being from the mother box. So later in the film, Silas Stone sacrifices himself, much like in the old comics in the 80s where Silas Stone died. But in the Whedon cut, the character survived and was shown to be working with Victor at the end. Reportedly, Joe Morton was only happy in the reshoots of the fact that his character survived so he could be in a sequel or spin-off film. But obviously, that doesn't seem like that's likely to happen. So, never mind then. Yeah. Uh, at the end of all this, Marv, Marv Wolfman, when the Snyder Cut was released in 2021, he tweeted to Ray Fisher saying, quote, I really love the Snyder Cut, and your cyborg was truly the heart and soul of the movie. Thank you. So, that is approval from the co-creator of Cyborg himself. Wolfman! <laughs> the Wolfman. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, we've all really loved this version from the Snyder Cut, but now that you've sort of heard the previous versions of the Cyborg Origins, does this sort of change your mind about it, or do you feel like this one's the best? How did you feel about this in context of all the other Cyborg Origins that we have here? Hmm, no aliens, so... Uh, <laughs> it checks out. Thumbs up. From the mother <laughs> I actually... <laughs> I like that he is in Gotham City. I think that's cool. And mm-hmm. that he's at Gotham City University. And he's got that... I just want that cool Letterman's jacket and, like, all the other Gotham City uh, football team swag there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that that's cool. I like that he is, like, kind of a little closer to to Batman's world and everything. Um mm-hmm. I think it's it's definitely like a cleaned up version of uh, the New Fifty Two origin, and uh, yeah, I like it. Yep. This is second best after the Doom Patrol one. Well, it's the best execution by far, of course, because it's an actual movie. But I, mm-hmm. I, from what I know about the Doom Patrol one, I don't know that one just really works for me. But this one, it's just like it was the heart of the film, and. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was the one of the main things that made the Snyder Cut stand out so much more than than the Justice League. And, I mean, that section whenever he um, helps a woman at the ATM and they're kind of just explaining his powers for the mm-hmm. audience, um, that really works. And it shows how powerful he is. You know, he's a walking internet. He knows everything. I mean, he's... Mm-hmm more powerful than Superman in that way. I guess Superman could listen in mm-hmm. on shit, but I don't know. I guess it's different with being like a walking supercomputer connected to all the internet in the world. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, it's... it's Yeah. I, it's second... Well, it's, it's, it's number one. Maybe Doom Patrol's number two, ultimately, but, but yeah. I think, I think this is a fan favorite. Yeah, sure. I'd say they're probably the best of the stories they're trying to tell. Because, like, the yeah. Doom Patrol one is very much now part of the Doom Patrol universe. You had to adapt it to that, especially with Niles Calder's yeah. uh, role yeah. in his creation. Uh, whereas in here, you don't really need to do all that type of stuff. This is a very different story. There's connections with the Mother Box as well. 
uh, that you need to have in there because the mother box is such an important part of this version. So to me, this is like the ultimate combination of like all the previous versions that came before. You have the football player uh, type aspect from Smallville in the New 52. You have him being a founding member of the Justice League, like in the like also in Smallville in the New 52. You have him fight Darkseid, like in Galactic Guardians. You have this mother box connection, just like in the New 52. And uh, we got this car accident aspect with Smallville. And then we have him basically become an orphan, unfortunately losing his mom in the initial accident, as well as his dad later on, like in the original 1980s comics. So to me, this is kind of the ultimate combination of all the different elements, trying to pick the best of the best out of all right. of it. So. There are, as of yet, no plans for a cyborg movie or any return of the Ray Fisher version, likely because of all the drama behind the scenes between uh, Warner Brothers and Ray Fisher. Uh, we will get more adventures, however, of the Joyvan Wade version of Cyborg in Doom Patrol, as Doom Patrol Season 3 comes out later this year, I believe. Okay. But uh, in terms of the fact that the Cyborg origin movie sort of never... I mean, his origin movie is basically Justice League, but in terms of there never being a solo Cyborg movie... Uh, Zack Snyder had this to say when it came to that. I always figured that by now, we hadn't done the work. But we just assumed that in a lot of ways, the Cyborg origin movie is Justice League. And then, we just assumed that, you know, Cyborg, by the end of Justice League, is standing on his feet. His metal feet. He's ready to go for any kind of solo effort you can imagine. Right? Like, he's all set. Chris and I, we just assumed that they would have just in success, would have just jumped right on a cyborg movie because, you know, he's not only like this amazing character, but I just feel like he kind of comes out of the back end of Justice League and is fully realized and ready to roll. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Snyder. So, ready to roll, ready to rock. He was hopeful <laughs> that there was going to be a cyborg movie and felt that the Justice League movie sort of set him up for that. And there was talk of that. There was that. There was yeah. talk. And, and he Mark was Bernard. To be the Flash. That's true. Mark Bernard said years ago there's never going to be a cyborg movie. This is before all the weed and shit came out. <laughs> I don't think all he meant the- it when it came to any political stuff with Fisher versus Warner Brothers. I think he just meant the cyborg character, right? Yeah, he was just yeah. not hopeful about it. Um, which I was like, hey, you know, we got Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not the That's craziest right. thing in the world to bring out a cyborg movie. But but Bernard just never believed. <laughs> oh, man. We got Guardians of the Galaxy from Marvel Studios, not from Warner Brothers and DC Comics. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you're dealing with a different group, different team of people. Yeah, different thing going on. We're happy to get anything in DC. Yep. Anything anything good. <laughs> so just craps. <laughs> Do you have a favorite that I know we know Andrew's favorite Zach do you have a favorite Woo! origin? I think it's still gonna be the Teen Titans cartoon version the not the aliens. really the Let's go not the aliens No yeah. aliens really just at all in this version. <laughs> <laughs> really just the adaptation or the uh, what the comic uh, version the comic sp- uh, spinoff from mm-hmm. the Teen Titans series Yep Mine would probably like be the, the Zack Snyder version, but the Doom Patrol one is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So. Top tier yes. cyborg. So we have Teen Titans Go, a vote for Doom Patrol, and a vote for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we all have our different opinions. Let us know what you think in the comments below. But until then, that is superhero stuff you should know.
We have a new set of comments here from a few fans. Some of these are pretty long, so I'll try to speed through them a little bit, but I wanted to honor those who put a lot of effort into it. So this one comes from Kieran Jones about our deep dive into the secret origins of Batfleck, saying around an hour, seven minutes and 30 seconds, you talked about Carrie Kelly, Barbara Gordon, and Lois and Clark's son becoming Batman and how that fits into continuity. To try and figure out a way to make it work out, we can take what we know about Justice League 2 and Justice League 2A in the original outline by Zack Snyder, Chris Terrio, and Jeff Johns and mold the new details into that. We know for the updated Justice League 2A, now Justice League 3, that Batman sacrifices himself. Lois and Clark's son becomes the new Batman, trained by Barbara Gordon in a flash forward. And later we found out Zack wanted Carrie Kelly Robin in there at some point. The way I would do it is this. Ben's solo film, The Batman, would be the logical place to introduce Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Carrie Kelly. Both could be introduced in Justice League 2 or Justice League 3, but I feel it wouldn't be as substantial to the audience that either will be some big deal that will understand Batman and carry the legacy with the name Batgirl or Robin. While some slight appearances for 10 minutes max in both Justice League 2 and Justice League 3, the introduction of the characters in the solo Batman film would help cement them in this universe more and help establish that relationship. And then the appearances in Justice League 2 and 3 add to what we saw in the movie. In the case of the Snyderverse, I could see Barbara and Carrie being merged into one character to simplify stories, since there is only so much time to tell stories with Ben's older Batman. This merged character could start as Robin and then become Batgirl as she progresses as a character. Robin for the solo film and throughout Justice League 2 and Justice League 3, donning the Batgirl mantle when Batman dies in Justice League 3. Eventually, she would retire as Batgirl to become commissioner and then train Lois and Clark's son when he comes of age. I chose this route because it's better for the audience to get attached to the character, more so because Zach personally said he wanted to do Carrie. Adding her in the Batman film felt like the best way to allow her for character development and let Zach, develop, Zach play the character a little without the character losing out on a lot of development. Joe Manganiello specifically said Batgirl was going to be in the Batman movie, so my way takes a few liberties with Joe's information. That's just how I would take it, having watched Zack's movies and knowing where he wanted to go. I'm sure we could brainstorm a way to make it work with two different characters, but I think merging them is the better way to go in terms of what they want to do and with how much they, how much time they have. That's the end. So basically, merge Damn. Barbara Gordon and Carrie Kelly into one character. What do you guys think? It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of her being Robin and then evolving into Batgirl it kind of reminds me of um if you ever read the uh it's like a kind of Elseworlds tale thrill killer uh, uh, I haven't but I'm familiar with it in terms of yeah, that I do, I've heard of in it. that one art. yeah in that one Batgirl exists first and then she has a partner that is Robin who then becomes Batman so I don't know it's kind of like wow. out there it starts with it starts with her first like mm -hmm. a female character so that was pretty cool. So I, yeah, I think that's fine to have them uh, to merge those characters together. And I think with the ending of Justice League having Batman like catch the mutants, that is like such a good tie-in oh, to go yeah. ahead and have like Carrie Kelly in that universe. So yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's kind of cool. Especially one who's been healed from his past traumas, including the death of Jason Todd. He's more ready and willing to take on another apprentice. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Uh, next one is from Trippier Gervais on our Justice League breakdown of two and three, the sequels. Said, quote, I had heard this before, but your breakdown was most welcome. Me personally would have preferred if Bruce had gotten a happy ending and had a life of Lois. Seeing his son bo be born, named him Thomas Jr. and was able to train him to be Batman Beyond. So this is actually very similar to our uh, deep dive into the history of Batman and Lois's relationship where they had a son, Batman Jr., <laughs> <laughs> Batman Jr. <laughs> says, quote, I know it is not as epic with Bruce living, but he is Batman. Why can't he be happy? I also got the Kingdom Come vibes here and there and would have liked to have seen a revived Superman have a life with Wonder Woman. 
Now, this is interesting. I had not heard this before because most people always just have a knee-jerk reaction to Batman and Lois getting together. Uh, but he's saying, no, have them get together and have Superman paired with Wonder Woman. Here's what he says. He says, quotes, there are parts in Zack Snyder's Justice League where Wonder Woman kind of has a moment with Superman. She is the first one who says he's back. She calls him by his name, Kal-El, and when Clark flies off of Lois, they focus on Wonder Woman's reaction alone of her watching Supes fly away. She stares pretty hard. If they really wanted to focus on a future relationship between the two, they could have done a Back to the Future style trope uh, where when Diana puts the lasso on herself, the first time she has visions of her killing Superman before the Darkseid invasion, and then later when Superman leaves the world against Darkseid, she does it again, but this time the lasso shows Diana and Clark having a daughter and being happy. Superman raising Bruce's kid is an interesting story, but does that mean he never has his own kids? That is pretty sad for the hero who united Earth against Darkseid, in my opinion. Can't Superman and Batman both live happily ever after? Yes. Point. <laughs> hmm. Yes, they can. Not according to DC, I guess. <laughs> nope. Still don't like Superman and, or still don't like Bruce and Lois together. My you don't like it? My knee hit the bottom of the table when Ben was talking about that. It jerked. It doesn't bother me because I think it's a good setup for Batman vs Superman. <laughs> yeah, in, yes. Yeah. In that case, I don't know. It's just like they don't seem like they have any chemistry in the two film in the films that we've right, seen right, right. them together, and it's just like I don't know. I like him better with like Catwoman or something. But yeah. well, there's no alien in this one. Superman. Superman's an alien. alien. Oh, he is an alien. That's true. <laughs> Never mind. So Batman Beyond kids got some alien blood in them. I don't like that. Well, no, sir. I or, don't like it. No, not, not if it's Bruce and Lois's kid. Then he has. Oh, yeah, that's right. Blood. I, I can't keep it straight. I don't know what's going on anymore. Someone did it's bring almost up a good as point. if comic books are very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Someone brought up a good point on Twitter, saying that Batman has a kid but dies, not able to raise the kid, and the kid grows up to become Batman. Superman ends up raising a son who is not biologically his own. In some weird way, then, Batman's destiny is to become Thomas Wayne, and Superman's destiny is to become Jonathan Kent. I was like, that's actually an interesting Hmm. way to to put that. That's great. If only we had that thing at DC known as foresight. (laughs) If only we had a long game plan. Yes. So (laughs) Superman's going to get sucked up in a tornado. You know how Marvel no, has these phases? <laughs> they got these phases going on. There's a plan here. We don't like plans. If no. only. That all culminates in the kingdom come, by the way. I would love it if that was the end game of the Justice League films. God, wouldn't everybody? Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Uh, all right, last <sighs> one comes from Ricky St. Quentin about our Batfleck deep dive saying, quote, great episode. BVS is really a Batman film. Bruce Wayne has a story arc and goes on a journey through the film and changes at the end, whereas Superman doesn't and Batman has more screen time as well. In fact, I've recently made my own Batman edit of BVS calling it Batman No Justice. I cut out all the parts which have nothing to do with Batman. My Batman No Justice edit runs to 100 minutes and now it's only version of BVS I watch. In fact... <laughs> I wish Warner Brothers had watched wanted a cinematic universe. Instead, they should have concentrated on solo films. The Affleck Batman isn't my favorite, and I do believe Affleck was miscast, but the Batman parts are pretty good in BVS, so I wish we could have gotten a solo Batman trilogy with Affleck instead of team-ups. Anyways, like I said, great episode. I am interested in seeing this fan edit. I, I that's It's interesting because for me as a guy that went to film school, I know you did too, Ben, mm-hmm. but like... Editing used to be a skill, like, as far as, like, but, like, how do I say this? 
Now it's something that fucking everybody can do. People edit their own TikTok videos or Instagram. Like, it's almost like sending an email. Like, you used to put Outlook and, you know, I type this word's a minute, you know, on your resume. Mm -hmm. Now no one gives a shit. It's just a fucking, it's a given. <laughs> it's a given you know how to do that shit. And, and editing, I'm going on a film editor rant, but editing's almost to that fucking level. Like, almost everybody can edit video now, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> anyway, we want to see your movie. Yeah, send Posted. it over to us, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know what at gmail.com. I want to see how you handle the music because cutting the yeah. the the, yeah. the the picture would be fairly easy probably, but the music transitions uh mm -hmm. I want to see that. So it's only Batman. Everything else is cut out. No, Batman's the only thing no, it's just just Batman? I think it's just the Batman. Basically anything that involves Bruce Wayne and Alfred. But then I'm like, well, because so many of the scenes are about him going off to kill Superman. Yeah. I don't know. Send it over to us. Let us know yes. <laughs> what it is. Yeah, we want to see this. Yeah, let's see what happens on that. But yeah, anyways, those are our uh, fan comments. Over to you, Andrew. Oh, man, it's already my time. Shit. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for those comments. And also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Which are Shasta, Leom O, Jose Arrocha, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noir, Jesse E, Jeffrey R, Sketchcraft, Scott V, Yuli, and now our other supporters, Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, and Rye Guy. Please join the Shasta Army at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. That is the one dollar tier. And you get a shout out here on this here podcast every episode as long as you stay on the one dollar tier. The five dollar tier is the main one that we're promoting right now. We're gonna have other tiers. Well we have other tiers, but this is the main, main one right now, and it's a whole other show every Friday. Patreon.com. You can listen there. You can also we put this in our uh patreon posts or whatever you if, if you're unaware you can put your the patreon feed into your regular podcast app so you do not have to go to patreon.com every time to listen to that if you're on that uh so yeah um that's possible five dollars a month cancel anytime we also have shirt shirts all kinds of merch uh redbubble uh superhousepod.redbubble.com tpublic.com slash user slash superhousepodcast5000 and superherostuffpod.threadless.com Get your mug, get your shirts, get your shower curtain, Indeed Wizard, and Ben Mad illustrations on all kinds of merch by Wolfie, uh, Wolfie Cruz. And uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please send us some sort of audio. Doesn't have to be like a crazy um, thing that Zach always does. Can just be, hey, love the show. Something like that. Record it on your phone. Send it to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And we will most certainly put it on there. And uh, also, please animate our sketches if you have the gumption. If you have the gusto. Please do it. Just put our uh, hashtag at the bottom in the video itself. And that would be great. Uh, throughout the video, too. Not just a fucking frame please <laughs> like the whole thing in the corner is fine but hashtag superhero stuff you should know podcast something like that and uh yeah i'm thunderwolf drew on instagram and twitter thunderwolflives.com youtube.com slash user slash thunderwolf lives a lot of my japanese related content Jap japan 
stuff like that. Video games too, a little bit. Um, and uh, also my uh, film that I'm working on uh, is called Amano Recon. And that's all I'm going to say about it now. We're kind of a slow trickle into when uh, things start to really happen with that. But that's A-M-A-N-O Recon. And uh, that's it for me. You can find us over at Twitter on Superhouse Pod, as well as Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod, which is how we met Zach. We are also on Vero now. Please follow us because we're looking for followers and uh, we're looking to uh, communicate with Zach Snyder on stuff. So we are also there at Superhero Stuff Pod on Vero. Uh, my own website is at benwanrider.com. My YouTube channel is in the description below. And you can also check out the website for the upcoming kids comic I've got going on called Early Bird. So that's earl-e-bird.com. Uh, my personal Instagram is at BenWanWriter. And my cat Instagram for my cat, my son, Alfie, named after Alfred Pennyworth, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And that leads me to bring up that we are now affiliates with Whiskerbox, as well as BarkBox now. <laughs> yes, also... <laughs> So if you have a dog or We're a cat, swing both ways. <laughs> hey! <laughs> if you have a dog or a cat, hey, hey, uh, hey. you can check it out and uh, get your own little box each month for your own furry friend. We also have affiliates with uh, eBay and Amazon, so you can get different types of superhero merchandise that is available at superhousepod.com/shop. Over to you, Zach. Well, as usual, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Zachary Jackson Brown Art. And you can go to my website, ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com, to see all the goodness that I make and sop it up like a biscuit. <laughs> Enjoy it. Sop it up. Sop it up. Nom, 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 nom. But that's it. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. So, uh, thank you for joining us. For those of you who are part of the Patreon, we are going to be exploring the secrets of Star Labs. Star Labs is very important to both Flash and Cyborg, and we're going to dive into that. But for those of us who are, uh, for those of you guys who are listening in on just the main show, we're going to explore the next person who joins the Justice League, who joins them in the tunnel, and that is Aquaman. And we have a special guest joining us to discuss Atlantis. Isn't that right, Andrew? You could say that it's a deep dive into Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> signing He's off. He's been waiting on that. Uh, ben signing off. Hey, I also want to say, I want you to tell your friends about me. <laughs> no, not you, man. About us. <laughs> Just about his art. Shit. We're gonna. Huh. We're gonna. We're gonna figure huh. this out someday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is what are we saying? I want you to tell it's your friends about us. We already us. cut off. We're already cut off. <laughs>